You are listening to DFM Discussions with Might and Optimal. Might and Optimal is an authorized financial services provider regulated by the Financial Sector Conduct Authority. So, with that now, a, a nice introduction to, to that you sketched from 2022 until now, where we sit now looking forward. What you guys do on a uh, annual um, basis, you have, or uh, once or twice a year, you look at the macro scenario playing out, and then you have a, a bull, a bear, and a base case from which you uh, construct your portfolios and you put your views forth. Mm-hmm. Um, can we have a little chat on each one of those? And just to flesh out exactly where you are at. Um, at the moment, globally. So, uh, which one do you, would you like to start out with, uh, given the different cases? Sure. Uh, I guess the easiest one is we always say your base case should be the one where you is um, what has the highest probability from your rating perspective, and yeah. then you stress that on both sides of the bull and the bear case. So the easiest point is to, ju- if we could, I'm happy to outline the base case. Um, and then from there, you can see where we start stressing it from mm. a bull case and a bear case scenario. That sounds awesome. Okay, mm. so let's jump into the, to your to your base case. So, so um, the base case for us is what we expected in 2022, uh, we are expecting it to uh, transpire in this year, um, whereby we now transition uh, into the next phase of the cycle, okay. whereby central banks should start to slow down and eventually uh, stop the hiking cycle and eventually will start to reverse course. So the timing of that is not, we, we have not necessarily put it down, but it's mm-hmm. one way we, uh, this is the year where we're expecting it to be a transition in the in the cycle. So there will be weaker global goods demand. Inflation will start to be moving towards target. Um, and we've seen in the most recent prints, um, the most recent prints saw a slowdown in inflation. So- Sorry, can I quickly just interrupt you there? That you, you mentioned a very interesting point and something that we've come across the last week or so. Like, um, the central banks, you know, flattening out uh, uh, or just normalizing their hike, hiking cycle and then hopefully reversing at some stage. So we've had uh, the fraud curve is saying, listen, it's the end of Q3, Q4. We we should see a reversal there into a more dovish um, uh, um, cycle. Other players in the market are not so sure about that. Mm. Um, a lot of people are saying, listen, we're not thinking that there's going to be a reversal this year, but hopefully depending on on scenarios that it'll probably only be next year. What is your view on that? How Do you concur with more on the fraud curve side or rather a later turnaround? Or is it a bit too difficult to say now? Um, so I think for for our perspective, we it's not about putting the exact timing yeah. um, because at the end of the day, the fraud market um, because of how its pricing, its prices happened, it needs to be forward-looking in terms of where Jiba will likely uh, be. So, um, like for instance, um, 
those parts of the curve and and Jaiba will has periods where in a, in a in a hiking cycle it will tend to be above repo and in a in a as the cycle starts to reverse it will tend to also be below repo so it will go below repo even before the central bank has started to cut because it's starting to anticipate the next cycle so from our perspective we need to see because the the reserve bank our 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 um the Reserve Bank currently has been very clear about keeping or returning, reverting inflation to the um, to to within target, and more so given the implicit uh, target that they implemented before we saw COVID of four and a half. They really want this number to get closer to that to to there. So they will not necessarily be quick. We don't see them being quick to start easing until the, the path to the inflation yeah. slowdown is, is clearer. Um, so it's one of those where, the, and, and the thing is now when it comes to the inflation outlook, there's still a couple of balance uh, risk factors on both sides. Um, the one side, it's a slowdown in financial or, or um, a, a slowdown in growth momentum because of tight financial conditions. But then we have on the other side a potential China reopen, which will have will support commodity prices and demand um, for for goods and services coming primarily for emerging markets. So it means that from from the, an inflation perspective, there's still risk factors there that can uh, slow down any downward pace in inflation. So, but what is clear is that the the current cycle is coming to an end. When it will start to reverse course, that's where now we need to have a tighter handle on what happens to inflation from here. Yeah, I, I, I really hope that that happens sooner rather than later. The, <laughs> the mortgage payments is getting a bit out of hand right now. <laughs> it's tough. It's a tough situation. But yeah, no. Um, OK, thank you very much for that. So that is a very nice introduction to you. Uh, and and or, or, or at least where the sob and by extension or sob from extension of the Fed, mm. um, where you see that leading into. So that then leading into the inflation figures and where you're seeing that as well as um, economic activity globally mm. and locally. Mm. Um, what is your base case on that? Okay, so from a growth, from a growth perspective, um, just a slowdown, significant significant slowdown in all form of indicators that um, whether leading just slowdown in those indicators because obviously in this in a tight fin um, monetary policy environment we are we expecting to see um, the tight conditions financial conditions having an impact on growth. Um, so now the concerns, whereas last year it was about this high inflation and it being sticky. Um, now the concern, because of the tight financial condition, now moves on to the growth outlook and from and most importantly the earnings outlook. And this is important in our world because uh, because of the credit, we need to start being careful around credit because uh, with a slowing growth environment, it will have an impact on where credit is pricing. Awesome. Um, That's a good point that you mentioned sure. there. And I'm sure within with within the specific asset classes, I think we're going to chat a little bit more about that. Sure. But that's a very good point. Yeah, cool. Um, so so that's pretty much the base case. Um, so just looking at other factors is really um, the fiscal picture is likely going to be 
uh, poor because of the, I mentioned, I talked about the outlook from a global growth perspective um, and then balanced by China. So it's a matter of which of these forces uh, play its part. But we know that from a bottom-up perspective, we have issues around expenditure control in the country and the additional support that's going to be required for ESCOM and other SOEs. So we, that will bring a, a damper into the fiscal picture. And then all of these factors will also have an impact on what, where the czar or the currency currently comes into play. But that being said, this is an environment where we should see a slowdown in the dollar, in the, in the strength of the dollar. That would be, from a global perspective, support for the yeah. czar, but internally, issues around economic outlook and a political outlook is going to be pulling the the the, the rand down. So, if when you another factor that that's obviously always top of mind is the the war in the Ukraine, mm. and and the effect that that has in in contrast to a opening. Um, in a reopening in China, and especially as the eurozone heads out of their winter period, that's luckily been um, a little bit hotter than they thought it was going to be, which mm. helped quite a bit. Thank mm -hmm. goodness for that. Um, how how do you guys see from a base case point of view that panning out? Oh, it's a difficult one. Is that a difficult? <laughs> <one>? <laughs> But just to say, I think the the <laughs> okay. Russia, the risk on Russia, Ukraine is one way. It's still there, something that we are watching. Um, but bulk of the impact is in the price. Ah. So we need to see like a significant deterioration, whereby probably a scenario where Putin now invades Europe. Mm for it to start having an impact on prices. But what we've seen thus far is already in the price. And um, so its overall impact, if I if I just to say would start will start going down if it had if um if nothing happens. Yeah. Uh, because we've already priced it in. I understand. Yeah, that 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 makes sense. And in general, like the feel around what's going on there is um is that Putin kind of uh, overplayed his hand, and and the, uh, the the ease of which he thought it was going, the war was going to continue, didn't quite pan out that way. The world coming to Ukraine's aid, and the world, you know, restricting certain um, of his resources in a way that made it a little bit difficult. So hopefully, you know, he reevaluates his position. Mm. Unfortunately. Who knows what's going on in the mind of a dictator? So let's let's try not try to to forecast that too much. So yeah. I understand your point of view. All right. So so the base case is 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 something that, like you said, you guys are thinking this is the this is the biggest probability um, of uh, biggest probability of happening, mm -hmm. and then from there on, um, let's let's then look at a little bit more, uh, 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 sorry, a little bit more. On the positive side, we start there. Optimistic. Optimistic side. Okay. <laughs> <Don't... laughs> right. It starts with the O, it starts with the O. <laughs> Let's try that again. Okay, okay, thanks. So looking at the base case, we've got that picture now, 
what you guys think the biggest probability um, of, of happening. So if we look more on the positive side, um, your bull case, take us through that. please. Um, so the bull case is, um, it's one way, um, the language you, you introduced in this particular case is around the soft landing. Uh, so it's one way resilient growth will drive gains in labor force participation because currently what the, we know what the Fed is looking for is watching out for is what's happening in the labor market. So therefore any another, uh, um, what do I call it, variable that can ease the tight labor market is if we have an improvement in the participation rate. So if this growth uh, increases or improves the, the rate of participation, that could ease the tight labor market. So in which case the Fed will be able to engineer some form of a soft landing whereby inflation drops um, and, uh, and is to be dropping at the back of an easing in the tight labor market because of an increase in labor force participation. So the concerns around the ripple effect of uh, high wage prices will start to ease. And secondly, from an easing in supply chains, because we know labor, tight labor market also has an impact on uh, supply chains. So in which case we have a gradual uh, slowdown in growth, but not a collapse, which is the recessionary scenario. And then China reopens um, with policy supporting domestic and global demand uh, in the sense that um, there will be an increase in demand for commodities um, and also goods uh, coming coming from the Chinese uh, consumer. And from a Ukraine perspective, so from a geopolitical perspective, we have a complete uh, ceasefire when it comes to that region, in which case geopolitically that's a scenario where this is a scenario where we paint, um, it, it will have a further easing in terms of any forms of of, of, of uh, supply chain uh, bottlenecks uh, that can potentially impact uh, fuel prices and also food, uh, food prices. And then from a local perspective, we see um, gathering momentum in terms of growth. That's um, obviously that will come from some form of resolution coming through uh, when it comes to ESCOM. So this will be driven by any forms of um, uh, reforms being implemented at a more um, quicker pace so that we have a solution when it comes to the energy shortage, which will support uh, growth across the, um, the country. And then from just from the matrices we see, and that will obviously, because I mean, it's, it's twofold. If the economy, if the companies are doing well, that means uh, fiscal uh, revenues, tax revenues are, are good. Um, so that will have an improvement in terms of the fiscal revenues that um, uh, National Treasury or, or, the, or the revenue that uh, fiscal and Treasury will be collecting. And that's yeah. twofold from the companies doing better than what would be uh, expected in a recession scenario. And also from this um, demand that's coming from China in terms of yeah. commodities, something that we export. Um, so and then another, it's one where inflation uh, peaks. And it moderates on a more uh, and a faster pace towards target. So when this happens, it gives the um, the Reserve Bank more comfort to actually stop the hiking cycle and then um, and eventually um, start to communicate potential for us to start easing. Um, and then uh, a weaker dollar that will be positive for the rand. 
um, and all emerging uh, market currencies. And um, as we know, a stronger dollar has not necessarily been good for risk assets. So therefore, weakening in the dollar should be positive for not just emerging market currencies, but also risk assets um, in general. Great. So, um, and and you need to tell me if you want to if you want to divulge this information or not. Um, but uh, you you guys also put a specific chance of um, probability on these scenarios happening. Um, if if you can divulge that information, what do you think is the probability of the base case and then the bull case, and then we're going to go into the the not so happy a bear case just now, but then uh, what do you think that probability to be? Okay, so currently, um, so just to give you some background, how we get to these probabilities, we survey um, the the investment team and sell side strategies that we rate mm -hmm. highly. So this is a consolidation of all those views. Um, so currently we see the base case at being 65, having a 65% probability, uh, the bull case having a 20% probability and the bear case, which I'll map out having a 15% yeah. probability. Okay, great. So I'm I'm very happy that the bull case had a higher percentage than the bear <laughs> case. Yeah. I, I, I like that. But also uh, the the, the base case is, is something that that gives a lot of optimism already versus what we've been through. Mm. So it's good to hear um, that distilling through all of the magnitudes of bad news coming through that. In in my view, adding up the numbers, 85% of the of the probability that you guys are putting onto it is is a is a normalized and better type of scenario. All right, so if we head into into the bear case, the 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 less optimistic part of it. Sure. So what we've learned with the bear case is because uh, so much bad news was being priced in the market, hmm. we had to paint this. We've learned over time to have to paint the bear case very. It needs to be a really a May Day, which is exactly yeah. what this. Uh, it's been. Um, the 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 wording this quarter has been for the bay case it's a May Day scenario so it where inflation proves to be more durable leading central banks to over tighten because now we're not seeing that um, expectation of a slowdown in inflation which makes central banks nervous and they have to continue on the tight or tightening path and on the and the hawkish language resulting in them over tightening. So this over tightening will def will tilt the global economy into a much deeper global recession than anticipated, and as a result, high unemployment. Um, and then, from a geopolitical perspective, this is a scenario where we see an escalation in tension um, because of persistent inflation, uh, stagflationary conditions. Um, so that's enough. So it can come in the form of the Russia-Ukraine um, scenario, but it could be an extension of that type of um, geopolitical risks because we're already seeing the China and Taiwan. So that could be just an escalation of those geopolitical tensions. Um, China, instead of us having a proper reopening of China, we have a partial one um, in, in the Bay case scenario, um, which means that liquidity is going to be an issue. Um, and where there's liquidity concern, um, 
the, there's going to be stronger demand for the dollar and a strong dollar is not good for risk assets. So therefore pricing on the risk as on risk assets, including um, EMFX and EM um, assets in the form of our equities and bonds will also uh, be on the back foot. And then locally, um, in line with globally, we see a, a more stickiness in inflation. Um, instead of this gradual slowdown that we painted um, in the base and the bull case scenario. And unemployment, I mean, South Africa has an, 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 an unemployment problem, it rises in this scenario. So which leads to especially us heading into, we are one, one year away from election. It means that politically, this is the scenario where um, we're going to get more populism coming from the current um, uh, regime in terms of uh, the government that's currently running us, running the country, because it's the it's the the, the party that's uh, running has an has a wants to win the next election. So therefore, in an environment where there's a rise in unemployment, we're going to get more populism coming through, and this now leads us into a complete abandonment of all the reforms that have been com yeah. uh, communicated, um, and the reforms that are desperately needed for, to get us to um, to improve on our growth. In this scenario, once we go back the populist route, it means that those uh, reforms are abandoned. And this will obviously hit um, the fiscal position because twofold, by abandoning those reforms, it will impact us from a cost expenditure control perspective. And this is met by uh, pressure on the revenue side because the picture we painted um, from a global perspective is one where growth will not necessarily uh, improve and where China partially reopens. So therefore, there's not really much support for commodities and uh, that translates to revenue collection locally. So there'll be, um, that will have an impact on fiscal balances and, and subsequent and therefore potential for us for further downgrades from a rating agency perspective or some form of, I mean, Safka has seen so many downgrades from a from a rating perspective. Yeah. And now we've seen a form of improvement uh, in the sense of the outlooks being more positive. So it's twofold. Um, it could be in the form of those ratings going back to negative and potentially further downgrades into deep mm. junk status. Great. Thank you very much for that. No, what, it, it makes complete sense and why you have these percentages. Um, it, your 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 base case is a very nice nice and broad income. Some quite a bit of leeway in in moving one side to the other, mm. and the bull and the bear case proper. You know, I wouldn't call it outliers. Both of them are still quite possible, um, mm. but something to think about. Mm. Um, now, there's there's two factors um, that. We get a couple of queries on every now and again, um, and just your 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 views on it as well. Um, you, uh, the China reopening obviously is also a function of uh, COVID and um, how that translates and how it worsens or betters all of that. Um, is it something that you guys still put into your into your analysis? Uh, COVID coming back and rearing its ugly head. Is that something that you guys are concerned about or not? Not so much. Oh, that's something we definitely are concerned about. We mentioned uh, beginning of last year that China will be the big balancing um, act when it, when it comes to 
the tighter financial conditions that are coming from the rest of the world or monetary policy that's coming from the rest of the world such that um, uh, from a gro growth outlook perspective and also for an inflation because now we have the two balancing each other, it should um, paint a better picture for all matrices, including inf uh, inflation and growth. So therefore, that's one way China still remains uh, an important factor for us. Uh, so therefore, positive news on them easing um, those uh, zero covered policy. Um, and there's a uh, scope or just possibly another one is more support for the property sector. Um, yeah. So th that for us in all of these scenarios, uh, because of what China is currently doing in terms of going the other way in, uh, relative to the rest of the world, it really plays um, an important factor in balancing, balancing things out in the different scenarios. Okay, great. And then, and then coming back to SA, um, the, the threats of the gray listing and the effects that that might have on um, on our bond market, on our general, the, the, the finance industry in, in, in general, is that something that you guys are overly concerned about or do you think it's mostly priced in? It's something we are concerned about. I'm not sure if it's adequately priced in uh, because of, of so many of the, or, or some of us or party participants or industry or market participants are still trying to grapple the full impact um, of what a gray listing will do to the sector. Mm. So it's a it's it's one of the overhangs, if I put it that way. Yeah. If we have, because we have we speak to so many uh, foreign investors when they put South Africa among other emerging market peers, we still scream attractive from a real rate perspective, from an inflation, because I mean, inflation is high in South Africa, but we still have our real, our real rates are higher than some of our emerging market peers. So when they put us in relative to all these matrices, we still look relatively attractive than our peers. Yeah. So, but then what stops them from actually making the move, it's these factors the political environment and the threat of a gray listing. So currently it's an overhang. It's one of the many overhangs to mm. get um, foreign investors to come in properly into the country uh, or in the income space. Okay. All right. Yeah, that's yeah. I'm 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 glad you mentioned that it's it's something that is under uh, under invested into into uh, in the market in terms of what the outcome of this would be because it's something that that no one really knows yet mm -hmm. you can look at what happened to other countries when this happened but it's it's difficult to explain what it's going to be um and a but, lot of market participants saying it's already pricing don't worry about it which and is, but but uh, sorry to cut you there but yeah, i think yeah. um not just i mean we need to think about not just from a pricing perspective but the practicality of actually doing business in the country. Hmm. It's going to make it more difficult. We are already seeing the requirements, and this is more from a regulatory perspective, not so much from a market. Um, the the FSCA uh, is having to be more strict on implementation of the FICA requirements. Um, they will likely throw more penalties to any participants that are not meeting the FICA requirements. So that's the consequences of this. It, it just means that there's a 
tighter, there's more stringent um, regulatory costs to the players yeah. in the financial services sector. Because now the trust factor is starting to go down. It means that now the paperwork needs to be way tighter to, in yeah. to encourage someone to come into the country. And do you think that also translates to, obviously, foreign investment coming into South Africa? Because we dialy need that. As you mentioned, like the the local bond subscriptions is basically it's it's locals and and we need the foreigners to come back into our bond market. But do you think that also translates to companies like we've seen Amazon coming in, um, uh, uh, foreign companies coming in and doing business in South Africa, uh, uh, building infrastructure here, um, having having offices here. Uh, do you think that will also detract? Uh, once, uh, if the Grey Listen goes through, um, so, how do you think that pans out? So I think it's it's one of those. Uh, it's it's another uh, bad mark we have on the ease of doing business in the country. Hmm. Um, so at first, people will always say, "Oh, it doesn't affect uh, the real economy." Um, but then anything you you see it, it starts off by impacting probably the financial services sector. And then when you have to do payments, whether you're a foreign country now, a foreign a company, you need to do simple things like payments or bring in um, uh, more currency into the country. And then you start seeing all these uh, hurdles. So if anything, it's one of it's an extra mark against us when it comes to ease of doing business in the country. Quick summary of what you would say looking into 2023, what we can look look forward to, what would that be? Sure. Okay, just to end off the scenarios, um, we, we are heading, 2023 is one way, it's truly a transition year. So it's important for us to understand that the base case is one way, there's so many ifs around it. And, and uh, so therefore a lot of things need to start materializing for us to have a firm picture on what's gonna happen to inflation and therefore by implication, the central bank action and by implication, the growth picture. Um, but otherwise, and then from a bull case scenario, it's one where we have a clearer picture on the slowdown in inflation and therefore the implications there are from a monetary policy, policy growth perspective. And the bull case scenario is one where there's a continuation of this upward trend, which means that this expected slowdown does not necessarily materialize, leading us into a deeper recession. Thank you very much for that. The views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of Might and Optimal and various contributors and are subject to change. The content of this podcast is for information purposes only and does not constitute an offer or invitation to any person. You should consult an advisor who will be able to provide appropriate advice that is based on your specific needs and circumstances. For more information on Might and Optimal and our services, please visit www.mightandoptimal.co.za.